in Luke chapter 20 this morning. So if you take your Bibles, Luke chapter 20. Uh, two key events occur in Luke 19 that set the scene for what we're going to look at in Luke chapter 20. Uh, Luke chapter 19, if you have your Bible, verses 28 to 38, Jesus rides into Jerusalem on a donkey, on a young colt. And as he rides into Jerusalem, the crowds go crazy. Uh, and as Jesus comes in, they spread their coats on the ground. Imagine taking your coat off, uh, taking your jacket off, and putting it on the ground so the king could walk on your coat. They were treating Jesus like royalty. Why? Because he was the promised king of Israel. So, uh, and they're shouting, Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna. And they're waving palm branches. And how do you think the Jewish religious leaders reacted? They uh, were jealous. They were intimidated. This guy has a following. They think he's a king. Uh, who does he think he is? Uh, the second key event, uh, if you have your Bible, slide down to chapter 19 of Luke, verses 45 and 46. Uh, this is what really ticked him off. He goes into the temple, and in the temple courts, uh, they had animals that could be purchased so they could be offered for sacrifice. They had money that if you came and you didn't have the right coinage, you could exchange it. Obviously, they would get their cut and give you the proper coins so that you could offer and pay the, the temple sacrifice tax, okay? So in other words, there's, there's a lot of money all stacked up, ready to go, a lot of animals. What does Jesus do? Verses 45 and 46. He just starts, and, and I came very close to getting... Uh, and I thought I'll put somebody's eye out and I'll regret it bad. But I was going to like put like a, a thousand pennies and just flip the table and then watch you guys scatter. Uh, but uh, aren't you glad sometimes I just leave it in my head so now you can picture it? Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, that, that's what he did. And, and he just messed the whole temple up and he shouts, my house will be a house of prayer, but you've made it a den of robbers. What are you doing with my temple? Well, why are you behaving this way? So verse 47 is huge as we get into chapter uh, 20. Uh, the Jewish leaders are looking for a way to kill this troublemaker, Jesus. Uh, they're going to look for cause. They're going to look for a good reason to kill him. You are such a threat. We are so intimidated. Uh, we are so jealous of what you're about. We want to kill you. Verses 1 to 8 of chapter 20, the Jewish leaders say, okay, let's start questioning him. Maybe we can trip him up. We'll find cause to kill him. So the Jewish religious leaders question the authority of Jesus. Uh, who gave you permission to flip the tables when you came into the temple? And uh, who gave you permission to act like you're a king when you rode in to Jerusalem? By whose authority are you doing these things? And Jesus answers their question with a question. And it's kind of interesting what he does. He says, hey, uh, 
uh, Jewish leaders? Was John's baptism, was it from God or was it from man? And like the Sanhedrin team huddles up and they said, uh, this is like a trick question. Because <laughs> if we say it was from God, then, then he'll say, well, then why, why aren't you following me? Why are you so upset? Uh, and if we say it was from man, they're going to be all over us because they believe it was from God. So you know what they say? Um, we're not sure. We're not sure. And Jesus says, well, then I'm not going to answer your question either. I'm not going to tell you where my authority came from. That's what happened leading up to this passage, okay? So would you please stand with me if you're able? Uh, this is what happens next. A parable, Jesus takes dead aim at the Jewish religious leaders. Let's read out loud together. Here we go. He went on to tell the people this parable. A man planted a vineyard, rented it to some farmers, and they went away for a long time. At harvest time, he sent a servant to the tenants so they would give him some of the fruit of the vineyard. But the tenants beat him and sent him away empty-handed. He sent another servant, but that one also they beat and treated shamefully and sent away empty-handed. He sent a still a third, and they wounded him and threw him out. Then the owner of the vineyard said, What shall I do? I'll send my son, whom I love. Perhaps they will respect him. But when the tenants saw him, they talked the matter over. This is the heir, they said. Let's kill him, and the inheritance will be ours. So they threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. What then will the owner of the vineyard do to them? He will come and kill those tenants and give the vineyard to others. When the people heard this, they said, God forbid. Jesus looked directly at them and asked, Then what is the meaning of that which is written? The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Everyone who falls on that stone will be broken to pieces. Anyone on whom it falls will be crushed. The teachers of the law and the chief priests looked for a way to arrest him immediately because they knew he had spoken this parable against them, but they were afraid of the people. Let's pray. Lord, I'm asking that you'll uh, help us to understand what you uh, were saying to the Jewish religious leaders when you told them this parable. And Lord, I, I'm praying that we'll not just understand what was going on back then. I, I'm asking that you'll enable us to understand how this parable relates to us today. Northern Michigan, 2016. Lord, please give us wisdom and insight as we worship you by studying your inspired word together. Lord, I want to pause just for a few moments now. Uh, I know that some of my friends here are right in the middle of one of life's storms. So I want to pray for any right now where the wind is howling and the waves are enormous. Lord, I pray that uh, no matter how big the storm is, Lord, Help us to be reminded that you're always in our boats with us. You're right next to us. And Lord, we're grateful that you promise us that your power, your awesome resurrection power, 
will walk us through whatever we're facing. We believe that. We hold on tight to that. Thank you for being awesome, and thank you for having a plan and a purpose, whatever it is that we're facing in this coming week. Whatever we face, Lord, we have holy hope and holy optimism that you know what you're doing. We pray all these things in the awesome name of our Savior, Jesus Christ, and all the church at Walloon said with one voice, you may be seated. Here we go. Jesus is telling the Jewish religious leaders, the teachers of the law, it says, the Pharisees, the chief priests, he's going to tell them this parable in response to the questions that they were asking. In other words, he kind of indirectly answers their question about whose authority are, are you flipping over the tables in the temple? Who gave you the authority to act like a king and, and march into the city? He, this parable indirectly answers their questions. Verse 9, let's uh, name some folks here. The vineyard that was planted in verse 9 is Israel, God's chosen people. And there's a lot of Old Testament scriptures that talk about Israel as a vineyard. If you're taking notes, Psalm 80, 8 to 16, Isaiah 27, 2 to 5, Jeremiah 2, 21, Ezekiel 19, 10 to 14, Hosea 10, 1. Uh, that's just a few. But the most famous passage where Israel is talked about as God's vineyard, Isaiah 5, 1 to 7 where the Lord describes his loving care for his vineyard. Here's what he says. The vineyard of the Lord Almighty is the house of Israel. The vineyard of the Lord Almighty is the house of Israel. Okay? So the vineyard is God's chosen people, Israel. So Jesus is taking dead aim at the Jewish religious leaders here, right in front of the temple. Now, you've got to picture this, okay? I almost tried my new skills, and then I decided not to put a picture. But right behind Jesus would have been the temple as he's teaching this parable and challenging the Jewish religious leaders. And the entrance to the temple, uh, into the holy place, a uh, hundred feet tall, carved around the door to the holy place in the temple was a richly carved grapevine. So it's like illustration right behind him as he spoke. So Jehovah God planted a vineyard, Israel, and then the Lord rented Israel to some farmers and went away. Track with me. Uh, for 400 years, Israel hadn't heard from any prophets. They hadn't heard from the Lord. From Malachi to Matthew silence. They hadn't heard anything. So now uh, the farmers, the Jewish religious leaders, those are the farmers, uh, they were the renters, the very people that were looking to accuse Jesus, right? The very people who were looking to kill Jesus, they were the farmers. And here's what he says. Go back to verse 10. At harvest time, the Lord sent a servant, the owner, 
to the tenants, the farmers, that's the Jewish religious leaders, so that they would give him some of the fruit of the vineyard. That's the way it worked. You were the owner, you would get a percentage of the profits. Uh, usually between a third and a half of the profits went to the owners. You tracking? In other words, he owned the field, he owned the farm, and now you would work the field and then you would pay the owner one-third to one-half of the bounty, if you will, and that would be the rent that you would have to pay. Go back to the text. Uh, he sent a servant, but the tenants beat him and sent him away empty-handed. Okay, this is the owner of the farm, the vineyard, and they beat him up and say, uh-uh, verse 11. So the owner sent another servant, but that one also they beat and treated shamefully and sent away empty-handed. You got the picture? Since the first servant beat him up, bloody, comes back, uh, they won't give me anything, boss. Uh, sent a second, same thing happened, verse 12. He sent still a third. And this one, they really beat, they wounded him, and they threw him out. So, uh, the Jewish religious leaders have assumed control. Uh, they think the vineyard now belongs to who? Uh, we, we think it's our vineyard now, okay? We haven't heard from God in a while, and we don't think we want to share. We think it belongs to us. So when the Lord sends the servants... Uh, he uh, says, okay, go and talk to them. Go get some of the fruit. They say, no, no, we're not listening to you anymore. And who were the servants that were sent? Track with me. It was the prophets. God sent prophet after prophet after prophet to Israel and said, hey, this, this vineyard doesn't belong to you. And every time the Lord sent a prophet, they beat him bloody. Every time the Lord sent a prophet, they said, uh, we don't want to listen to you. We're not interested. And they threw out prophet after prophet after prophet. Give me a, I'll give you a few examples, okay? Elijah the prophet, remember? And at that time, uh, wicked king, wicked queen. Uh, what's her name? Anybody remember when Elijah was on uh, Jezebel? Yeah. So anyway, and, and they chase him right off into the wilderness. We're not listening to you, Elijah. Uh, there was this prophet named Isaiah. Anybody know what happened to Isaiah? What did they do to Isaiah? He came and he was God's spokesman, God's servant. Anybody remember what did they do to Isaiah? Um, they sawed him literally into pieces with a saw, yeah, while he was still alive. Zechariah the prophet, they stoned to death. Jeremiah the prophet was beaten and tortured, prophet after prophet, servant after servant that the landowners sent uh, to Israel, beaten and killed by the Jewish religious leaders. Okay, and, and he's saying, "This is what you've been about all along, and on all along, uh, every time I send one of my prophets, you just reject him and beat him up and even kill him. Why?" Why would they reject the owner's servants? Why, why would they beat and kill the servants that God Almighty, the landowner, sent? The answer? 
we don't want to listen to the owner because we think we're the owners. We, we don't want to do it your way. We want to do it, how, how would they want to do it? I want to do it my way. I want to be my own boss. I want to create my own little system. I want to be in charge. And all the good stuff here in the vineyard, I want for me. And the religious leaders down through the centuries, they all thought that Israel belonged to them. They forgot that actually the vineyard belonged to God Almighty. Okay, Verse 13. Then the owner of the vineyard said, What shall I do? <laughs> I know what I'll do. I'll send my son, whom I love. Perhaps they'll respect him. Perhaps they'll listen to him. I just want to pause for a moment and just remark how incredibly patient God Almighty is with the nation of Israel. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, prophet after prophet, servant after servant. He owned Israel. He was the creator, the sustainer of his chosen people. And prophet after prophet, they beat, they killed, they rejected. And uh, he just continually shows patience toward the rebellious farmers. But now, but now he says, verse 13, look at it with me. Um, I think I'm going to send my beloved son. I'm going to send my son. Surely they're going to listen to the heir. Surely they'll listen to and follow and obey the father's son. Uh, I, I think they'll, they'll get the hint, and finally they'll get in line and listen to him. Verse 14, But when the tenants saw the beloved son, they talked the matter over. Um, this is the heir. This, this is the owner's son, they said. Um, let's kill him, and then the vineyard, Israel, will be ours. So they threw him out of the vineyard, and what did they do to the son? They, they killed him. They killed him. The son that they would murder is who? Who is the son that the Jewish religious leaders murdered? And his name is? Jesus. They killed him. They murdered him. Jesus is saying, Jewish religious leaders, I know you guys think you're real sneaky with all of your planning and your scheming, but I just want you to know I know exactly what you're up to. I know exactly what you're about to do. And less than a week later, Jesus would endure the agony and the shame of the cross. This is like really close to Jesus going to the cross for us. So he knows, and with this parable, he says to them, I want you to know, I know what you're up to. I, I know your plans, and you're not that sneaky, and you're not that clever, and this is exactly what you're about to do. Verse 15. What then will the owner of the vineyard do to them? Okay? when they have rejected all of the servants, the prophets, and now they reject the son and they kill him, uh, verse 16, he will come and he will kill those tenants and he'll give the vineyard to who? That's pretty important. He will give the vineyard to who? Two of them, two of you know. Who, 
Who will he give the vineyard to? To who? To others. <laughs> By the way, that's us there. We're the others. And when the people heard this, they said, God forbid. Our, our Jewish religious leaders would never do something like that, would they? Surely they wouldn't reject the owner. They wouldn't say no to God the Father. Uh, God forbid. Here's what you need to know. In 70 A.D., about 35 years after Jesus says these words, the Roman general Titus marches into Israel and totally annihilates and destroys the temple and the city of Jerusalem. I'm telling you, it was so completely and utterly destroyed that there wasn't even one stone left on another. Just totally wiped out the temple and uh, God's chosen city is gone. And that's not really the ultimate judgment, give me your eyes, because the Jewish religious leaders in rejecting the prophets and in rejecting Jesus, the Son, who were they really rejecting? They were rejecting Jehovah God. Uh, and they would face eternal punishment as a result. So the Romans would mete out some punishment, but the worst punishment is they rejected the Father because they, they rejected His Son and His prophets, and they too would face eternal punishment as a result. And, and who were the others who would get the blessings of God? Who were the other people who would become the apple of God's eye, so to speak? Romans chapter 11, verses 25 to 32, says that most of the Jews followed the lead of their leaders. Most of the Jews followed the lead of the Jewish religious leaders which means they rejected Jesus as Messiah and Savior and Lord. So then we look in the book of Acts, and who receives the blessings of God starting in the book of Acts? Uh, Gentiles, mostly, non-Jews, and then the church would be the focus of God's plan for today. You tracking with me? So who would be the others that now would be the focus of God's plan to reach and save the world? It would be the local church. And now that's God's plan to reach and to save the world. Now, this is kind of interesting. Jesus turns now and looks directly at the Jewish religious leaders. Got that in your mind? He turns and he looks at them, and now he's going to talk about himself as the stone. So each of these uh, references to the stone, Jesus is referring to himself. Look at verse 17. He turns and looks directly at them, the Jewish religious leaders, and asks, um, then what is the meaning of that which is written? The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Everyone who falls on that stone will be broken to pieces. Anyone on whom it falls will be crushed. Give me your eyes. The builders are the Jewish religious leaders. Okay? He looks at them and says, You know what? I am now the cornerstone of a new building that's coming. You rejected me. You want to kill me. 
okay, now I'm going to be the cornerstone of a brand new building, and it's called the church. Acts 4.11, 1 Peter 2, 6 and 7. Um, but those who reject Jesus as Messiah, those who reject the stone, what's the stone going to do to them? What's it say? It's going gonna, it's gonna to fall on them. Or they will fall on the stone, and they will be crushed, and they will be broken, and I'm telling you, it will be bad for all who deny Jesus as the Son of God. And do you think the Jewish religious leaders understood what Jesus was saying? Or do you think this went right over their heads? What do you think? Uh, just go to verse 19, and it tells us, uh, the teachers of the law, the chief priests, the Jewish religious leaders, looked for a way to arrest him, Jesus, right now. We want you bad. We want to kill you bad. Why? Because they knew he had spoken this parable against them. They got it. They understood. But they were afraid of the people. Jesus pulverizes, posterizes uh, with his words the Jewish religious leaders. He takes dead aim at their cold, scheming lies, and he shoots them right between the eyes with his words. Uh, but they're not remorseful, they're not sad, they're not afraid. What are they? They're bitter, they're angry, and they're looking for a way to arrest and kill Jesus. And in a few weeks on Sunday morning, we're going to see they find a co-conspirator, one of the 12 disciples of Jesus. And who is that co-conspirator that they finally talk into working alongside them? And his name was Judas. Judas, and uh, they will continue with their scheming and their lying. So, what's the application for us? How does this apply to you and to me? Uh, Jeremiah 1.5 tells us that God Almighty formed you and me in our mother's womb. God Almighty knew us and chose us before we were even born. Let that settle in a bit. So while you were still in your mother's womb, God knew you, God formed you, God chose you. Psalm 139.13 tells us, The Lord created us, our inmost being. He knit us together in our mother's womb. So the Lord created and formed every one of us just like he was the owner of, and the creator of Israel, the vineyard, his chosen people. Okay? But the Jewish leaders, what did they want to do? That I don't think I want to listen to you, God Almighty. I don't think I want you telling me what to do. I think I want to make my own rules. I want to be my own boss and call my own shots. And even though they claimed to know God Almighty, they rejected all of his spokesmen that he sent, the prophets. And then they rejected and killed his son, Jesus. So, um, just as the Lord was the owner of the vineyard, give me your eyes, the Lord is the owner and creator of you and of me too. He owns us. He has every right to be the ruler of our lives. Why? Because he created us in our mother's wombs. He knit us together. He formed us. He chose us. 
as the creator and, and the sustainer of our lives, he, he has every right to be the ruler of your life and mine. So, so here's my question. This past week, who is in charge of you most of the time? Who, who called the shots in your life this past week? And, and you're thinking, well, well I did. I mean, I'm my own person, and I make my own decisions, and, and, and of course, I, I made the choices that I made. Well, excuse me, but if, if Lord God Almighty is our creator and the one who created us and owns us, shouldn't Jesus be the one as owner and creator who's on the throne of our lives? Shouldn't Jesus be the one who's working and ruling through us instead of old, selfish, sinful Jeff. Jesus, I want you to come and take charge and, and shine and work in and through me. You understand? Uh, the challenge is this. Oh, foolish Jewish leaders, why didn't you surrender to the authority of Jesus? That was just silly. Why were you so foolish? And yet, Today, we're not willing to surrender the authority of our daily lives to the Creator, to the ruler of our lives. You understand? Uh, we look at them and we shake our heads. Why didn't they get it? But the truth is, a lot of the time, we're just like them. And the Lord is saying, I deserve to be the king and the ruler of your life. And you're saying, eh, I, I think I want to be my own boss today. I, I, I don't think I want to do it your way. I, I think I want to call my own shots. And the tension in all of our lives constantly is this. Are you going to surrender to the control of Jesus? Or are you going to continue to reject and ignore the rights of the owner? What's it going to be? That was the tension for the Jewish religious leaders. Are we going to recognize who the owner is and yield and surrender? Or are we going to fight and say, no, thank you. I ignore and I reject your ownership. Same thing is true for us today. So this past week, most of the time, who was in charge of you? Was it Jesus? Or was it old, sinful, selfish, you and me? Bow your heads. Shut your eyes. Just quietly, I challenge you, I challenge myself. Would you invite the Lord to speak and whisper to you right now? Jesus, who was in charge of me the most this past week? Who was uh, sitting on the throne and calling the shots? Was it was it mostly you as owner and king, or was it mostly old, sinful, selfish me? Would you make yourself clear? I'm listening right now.